0: rank squad and welcome to ranks fc It's your favorite football podcast back for another week and back into world cup mode my name is jack collins and i'll be your host today where we're talking england usa and the rest of the world cup later on we're going to be joined by a very special guest mr taylor rockwell of total soccer show to talk all things us and give us that kind of angle on this big game on friday but but for now, I'm joined by the rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. How you doing, mate?
1: Hello, mate. Yes, I'm fully in World Cup mode. I'm I'm very much enjoying it. We're on day three, but it kind of feels like we're also on day seven, eight, nine already. I kind of feel like I've been in this routine for a while. Maybe I'm slipping back
0: into it nice and easy after the last couple of World Cups practice. Yeah, I mean, you're a well-practiced man, well-versed in this capacity. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate?
2: It's coming home, <laughs> it's coming home for Christmas, football's coming home. I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. Yeah, starting to get into it a little bit, trying to are wrap you? myself up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've heard nothing but this the last two days. It's been uh, quite something, but alas, here we are. Here oh, we man. are. For Three
2: lions on a sleigh. <laughs> 3 <what> us.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, we're in that kind of mode, are we? We're looking forward to having a discussion we're with revved Taylor, up, mate. England, you're, USA, what a game. You're very revved up. Uh, the Dean Jones Household Derby, is it that it? We'll talk about it. that in a bit, yeah. We will do indeed. But before we get on to that main chat and talk that game in some real detail, I just thought things we loved this week could be kind of replaced by things we found interesting at this World Cup. And there's a couple of topics, obviously, that have taken the headlines. We're not going to talk about England, although Dane has demanded that he talked about it in this section as well. I was like, mate, we can leave this out for a little bit later on. But this has been some shocks, some impressive performances, some things that have. I think, confused and obliterated everybody's senses in certain ways. So I thought we'd begin with them. And the big shock so far, obviously, has been the fact that the Argentinians have lost their first game to Saudi Arabia. Now, I don't think anybody saw this coming. And I've had some bad predictions in this World Cup, but I'm willing to (laughs) excuse myself from anything involving Argentina because I think a lot of people were with me on that one.
2: Mm, yeah, do you know what? I did see there was one guy on, on my Instagram and I wish I'd still had it on here right now because I'm not going to find it in time. but he sent a scr- he showed a screenshot on his story today and he'd, he'd uh, text another journalist was like, "Do you know what? I've just got a funny feeling about the Saudis today and the guy's like, "What?" And he's like, they've actually been quite impressive in the last few games under this manager.
0: The other guy just like basically shut up and That's uh, also not true. Like as in I wrote <laughs> the, the bloody preview for the Saudi Arabians and uh, well, the, the sense of optimism around the qualifying period where they were really good was dissipated by the fact that their run up to the World Cup was pretty dreadful. Maybe by they played accounts. some secret
2: games you never saw. It's possible. Maybe, maybe there, it was some, possible, yeah. there was something missing. But um look what what a game, what a story. Like it's a, it's it's a freak result, isn't it? like it, it it is a freak result like Argentina should have been away by halftime and game game over but you know for a bit of bad luck with the with the VAR calls and offsides and um, and then just not competing well enough in the second half when things weren't going their way they got taught a very crucial lesson and that is that you can't Take your eye off the ball. You can't write teams off. You can't believe that you just turn up and win. England did it against Iceland, and we were taught that lesson. And it was one of the most embarrassing days in our football history. And, you know, Roy Hodgson still is tarnished by that day. Um, And, you know, this Argentina team are going to feel the same way for the rest of their lives, probably, about this result. Like, it is genuinely one of... well, for Argentina, it's one of the most embarrassing results in their history, but in World Cup terms, it's one of, if not the biggest upset we'll ever see.
1: At least they get the chance to redeem themselves, though, in Game 2 and Game 3 and still qualify. We were out of the Round of 16 or whatever it was with Iceland. We were out, We were done. We, were lo- we lost and we were done. Yeah, we were sent packing. True, true. Argentina now, blank slate as far as they're concerned they need right that didn't happen we've got two games to win win them
2: both and we can still win this world cup that's got to be their mentality but I mean Mexico will be going no you don't (laughs) let us play you we were already excited about this now we're really excited let us let us have a go a a truly bizarre game like they're they're basically
1: inches away from being four nil up aren't they um a three nil and then you know a foot and a few inches away from four the Lautaro second one is a really bad judge from him but a couple really close ones they're they're a sprinkling execution away from four nil this game should be a battering in favor of argentina and it just doesn't quite happen they come out of the break a little bit slowly some frailties get exposed and the way it got flipped on its head it had me on the floor i my jaw was on the floor
0: yeah, I mean, look, very, very impressive from the Saudi Arabians. I, I think probably should be the first port of call here before we come on to, to what it means for Argentina. But this was a performance full of heart and soul, sure. But actually, more than that, they came at this game with no fear. And it was one of those performances, you go, right, you're going to play that high line against Argentina. There's a big chance you get punished. And to be honest, they were millimetres. I think inches is actually a bit kind to some <laughs> millimetres at times away from, from being punished. And, and from this being one of those results, you go, oh God, that that is a big result, a big score up in that first half. But they came out and, and, and kind of gave it everything in that second half. And they were really, really impressive. You know, there was some really impressive performances across the pitch. We, we look at, you know, Mohamed Kano, I thought was excellent in the first half. And a couple of other players stepped up. And, you know, this is a team that lost their captain, you know, on the 45-minute mark. And and one of their best players in, you know, Salman al farage who... I thought was really good in in that first half. Someone who who stepped up and was able to kind of wiggle out of those areas that they were finding problems with. They responded really well to the first goal, had a spell of pressure, uh, and then after half time took the most of of two big opportunities in, in in a pretty spectacular fashion. And then after that we're like, well, you're not coming through us again. You've done that once. It's not it's not happening. And and, and kind of came out with that attitude I suppose that was like okay we're, we're not scared of you we're going to come out and, and and play and play our own game and that was maybe the most impressive thing about this because a lot of teams are, tend to come out in World Cups and look Saudi Arabia did this at the last World Cup where they came out and they weren't particularly forward thinking they tried to, to sit in and play on the break and it didn't work for them Today, they didn't do that. They were, you know, on the front foot as much as they could have been against this Argentina side, and they punished them for mistakes. And I think when you play positively like that, you look and you get rewards. And and I think that's maybe the nicest thing to see, because this wasn't a hit them on the break and and stun them performance. It was a game that really did feel like it swung from uh, either side to either side. And and, and they got their just rewards in many ways.
1: They did, yeah. They were brave, very brave, stupidly brave at points. I think they they played a very, very dicey game. We can't get away from that. They got quite fortunate a couple of times, but these games are played on, uh, you know, razor thin margins. And 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 Saudi Arabia came out the right side of this, and ultimately they deserved to hang on for this victory at the end. Like yeah, they really did have to put the shift in and, and defend their box for 15 minutes. They deserved to clear every single one of those balls. They deserved to get the rub of the green on the bounce or the or the of the ball. This was brilliant from like at least four or five of these players. That's a performance that goes down in history. In fact, that high line goes down in history,
0: full stop. So fair play. Yeah, I mean, Dean, what's it do to Argentinian confidence? Because we spoke about this before the World Cup, and we spoke about the fact that it felt like maybe the pressure had been lifted off the shoulders, which is a pressure that we saw in russia in 2018 that they were playing as if they were kind of a little bit frozen by it and actually i think we saw a bit of that towards the end of this game suddenly the odds had been flipped and everybody looked like they were making the wrong decisions at the wrong times and that's a problem for argentina because the fact that they were playing with that freedom was a major part of why a lot of people have been looking them as favorites
2: that they their mindset changed in the game like they ran out there obviously expecting to win and You know, they would have won if if those goals would have counted, obviously, like they are the better team. But suddenly they had to deal with the fact that Saudi Arabia were playing for the biggest moment in their lives. And that wasn't what they were expecting here. Like once Saudi had that lead, Argentina's players were suddenly faced with a conundrum they absolutely were not prepared for at all. And the extra motivation, the extra drive that Saudi had to win or even get something out of that game. Argentina just couldn't match because of the they had an expectation to win. They knew that player for player they were better than every single person they were up against. But psychologically they couldn't yeah they couldn't get up for it in the same way that the Saudis were. It's this is what's remarkable about football because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, except the fact that, you know, the adrenaline that is pumping through the Saudi players' veins and the crowd if, and you know, the crowd, like, massive, the whole massive energy of the day, whole yeah. place, the whole of the Saudi energy was just unbeatable. It was, it just couldn't. <laughs> Argentina couldn't revive themselves. And even when it looked like they made a the breakthrough, the goalkeeper would, was like a cat just springing <laughs> up in the air. Like it was remarkable. So look, these, these games do not come along very often. And when they do, you have to enjoy them and and just make the most of them. And you could try to dissect it. Like ultimately, Argentina just came up against a force of nature whereby they're probably not going to come up against
0: a again. And they were just shocked, I think. Yeah, fair. fair. Right, let's move onwards because we've got a lot to get through. Yeah. I would like to talk about France, who looked pretty scary from about 25 minutes in. They got a shock themselves mm. against Australia when they went 1-0 down. And then France found their groove. And that, mm. I think, is a problem for almost everybody else at this tournament. Yeah. Apparently, the
2: announcer inside the stadium announced Kylian Mbappe as one to watch before the game. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. This lad's pretty good. Uh, watch out for him. He's early 20s. 20, 23 now, I think. <laughs> Mate, he might make awesome. a mark. He, he has won it. a World Cup. He <laughs> <laughs> won the last time we were all here. <laughs> Never Mate. heard of um,
0: him. Never heard of him.
2: I was, um, I was watching it, and obviously, like, this was, this was almost looked like it was going the Argentina way. Uh, um, France had long enough to get their heads around Australia scoring the goal. And ultimately, Australia didn't quite have the same mindset, backing, belief, ability maybe um, to see through the game. Very difficult. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't want to be harsh in Australia. Like, to to score a goal and take the lead against France is an achievement in itself for a team like Australia. Like, it genuinely is. That was a big moment in their football history. Um, To hold on for it for as long as they would have had to was... Well, it was. It would have taken um, something again remarkable. But France, were, they got themselves back in it, and then when they were in their groove, it was quite scary, to be honest. I liked watching it, but I also hated watching it because I'm very aware that England are probably going to face them in the if everything goes to plan, face them in the quarterfinal. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to play them. I don't want to play them because killing Mbappe really, really scares me. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, I don't know if Kyle Walker's fit. And I'm presuming he's going to be. I'd like just leave him now. Let Kyle Walker work on his rehab for the next two weeks and just watch Mbappe nonstop and just make sure he's prepared for that
0: moment. He's going to be prepared for it. England are going to draw them in the quarterfinals. He's going to ping a hamstring after two minutes because they're <laughs> yeah. no match practice. Yet. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, look, maybe. But it's after the game, they said uh, in the studio, like, so how do you stop Mbappe? And like, Shearer tries to be, Shearer doesn't know, right? So he's trying.
0: I don't think anybody knows. Like, no, he was, uh, like it's unfair to, winger, to put that you ask on him. your
2: winger to help you out. And like, i like, oh, yeah, okay, mate. Um, and he, he didn't really know what to say. Then Vincent Company like, basically said that. He's like, to be uh, in not so many words, but he was like, you can't stop him. You cannot stop him. Like, look at him. It, it's about the t- it's about your team shape. It's about your mentality. It's about your timings. But ultimately, you can't stop him. Like you, you can't keep killing him. You have to try and pocket.
0: manage. You have to try and manage him. You can't stop. You've got
2: them. to manage them. That's the exact word. And and it, you've got to be so cautious and careful because he'll he'll wrap you in knots, man. Like he, he is ridiculous. The way you can just stop a ball and move it again so quickly, it's it's, mm. it's like messy level stuff that just people can't do. Right, like. We're looking at like once Messi and Ronaldo move on, um, he'll be on a stage of his own because they're thinking, well, the only who's going to compare? Okay, maybe Vinicius could, might be able to, but Holland's not going to be on the same stage because international football, Norway probably aren't going to be there. So you're thinking like, who's going to be competing with this guy on the on the international stage for the next 10-15 years? And you're like, okay, could could Saka do it? Maybe, uh, Vinicius, maybe, but. Don't know to be honest, I mean, Musiala. But he seems so far ahead, do not you think? Well, he's yeah. a, bit, a
1: fair bit older than Musiala.
2: Yeah, though. he's far yeah. ahead. Yeah, um,
1: but uh, and fair bit older than Saka as well. To be fair, but um, yeah, it's pretty scary stuff. Um,
0: the way France attacked down both wings was pretty scary. The Teo... yeah, Dembele was excellent and probably deserves yeah. you know some credit. Obviously, Mbappe will take the headlines and, and rightly so because he was sensational. But Dembele's ability to go either way on the other flank is not underrated that would probably be doing it a disservice but it's one of those things you're like how how again how do you defend against this man because he can make these things happen and if he's in a setup that works for him and you can drift around players behind him and get people into spaces he's almost impossible to tackle and yeah when you have Giroud in the middle and look Griezmann was brilliant in this game as well now come on to him
1: they're all brilliant really so Pavard
0: the, look, the, yeah, the front five in in particular, and, and Adrian Rabio stepping into that, we were question marks over Adrian Rabio. There always are question marks because how does he respond mental, ment- mentally to, to different elements of this? But. It, it's hard to look past his team at the moment and Griezmann dropping in as, you know, playing the Paul Pogba role as, as you mentioned on our Patreon, Sam, and, and then Giroud, who's gone, Oh, Benzema's was out. Don't worry. I'll just step up and, and be the main man once again, at a world cup. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. not much you can, you can look at this front side going forward and think, mm, you, we can deal with
1: that. You kind of need, you kind of need Dembele to beat himself, which he does about 50% of the time. Like, If if Dembele was Dembele at his best every week, then Dembele would be as good as Mbappe and we'd all be talking about it. Like 50% of the time, Dembele takes one touch too many, one turn too many, whatever it is, and just like, you know, ends up down a rabbit hole. And he can have those games sometimes where it just, he does too, he, he tries too much. He tries too much. Mbappe doesn't have those games as often. He is a much bigger problem, of course. You just have to hope that you can stick with him, stick with him, stick with him, and maybe he'll run out of play because every now and then it takes a bit of a big touch. But this, I am—I mean, I am grasping at straws. Um, this is this is this is tough stuff to watch if you're if you're if you think your nation is a contender, and Teo Hernandez being parachuted in and putting in an absolutely stunning performance doesn't exactly help the nerves either.
3: No,
0: very much not. I mean, Griezmann dropping in, nice. Like it. too. Many was excellent at the base midfield, sweeping up. Um, and people will say it's Australia, and yeah, and well, therefore it's a it's less of a test. But I mean, people will say the same for England, and I think those have been the, probably the most impressive two performances that we've seen. Well, it was so just Saudi Arabia.
1: I mean, yeah. So this this is no, what can happen. You know, we've got to, we we've got to we got to we got to we got to stop dismissing this sort of thing. A, a big win at a World Cup and a good performance on the opening game. Is a, is is something to celebrate and something to be excited about, no matter who it is and no matter who it's against. Jack, in this you were just reading out all those names there. We haven't really talked about the centre backs because it didn't feel like they needed to do very much. But
0: Upper McCardle got three tackles and three interceptions. When did that happen? Well, like, I was I- impressed by the fact that I thought France had played their fourth and fifth choice centre-backs in this one. And I was like, <laughs> OK, cool. That's what we're doing here, is it, France? We're we're playing it like that. that that's how we're going to approach this tournament. So very, very impressive stuff. And finally, just as a kind of last point of interest, I wanted to talk about the fact that we've had about 300,000 minutes of, of extra time added to games. Now, we've had a fall the game this Yeah, I mean, it's very much that. And we've seen games go on for long periods of time. There's a couple of strands to this in that what it's going to mean, you'd imagine, is more late goals later in the tournament as people try and see things out. And then you end up with you know, 104 minutes, as as we did today in the Saudi Arabia versus Argentina game. We saw 14 minutes added to the first half of England around. Obviously, there was uh, quite a bad injury during that. And 14 minutes were reasonable. But... This is FIFA trying to actually put the you know, the correct amount of injury time into games rather than just going, okay, we've had a 10-minute stoppage, we'll add six on because six seems to please fans, we'll placate it. They're actually putting it in, and I'd imagine this is a precursor to the idea of the stop clock, mm-hmm. right? Because this is what it seems to be because people are like, oh, it's going on for too long, so therefore can we just add the stop clock and see how it happens? And to be honest... I don't mind it because we, we've seen so many games happen where people are like, well, we do. We haven't got the right amount of injury time, et cetera, et cetera. People have complained really heavily about that. As soon as you start adding the correct amount of injury time, people started to complain about this as well. <laughs> Look, there are plenty of things that FIFA have done wrong with this World Cup. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that this has been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. This is one of the things I think that maybe they've got right. It's yeah, a new well, mental
2: challenge, isn't it, for everyone, for us and the players? Because you, you genuinely get towards a game not knowing how long's left, um, and you're and you're guessing. But now you're like, rather than thinking, will it be four minutes, five minutes? You're thinking, is it eight, nine, or ten? Like, and that's yeah. that's a massive difference at the end of a game when you've put all your energies into it, and you know you go chasing the game, and you know towards the ninetieth minute, but you might have another ten minutes after that. I mean, you're yeah. right; it is. It's all about. I mean, it comes from. Uh, Pierluigi Colina was talking about it last week. And it's all about um, trying to have more active time in a game. And he's talking about, you know, if, if you see, if three goals are scored in a game, like typically it takes a minute, a minute and a half, maybe even more for that goal to be celebrated and to get the ball back on the spot and to restart mm-hmm. the game. And that could be five minutes in itself. So then you also take in the stoppages uh, from fouls and dissent or whatever else is going Substitutions, on. Substitutions. Yeah. And it genuinely does add up to this. So, like, we're being, what we're getting is actually, we're watching far more football. But, you know, if the game's not that good, I don't want to watch more football. (laughs) So, there's been a couple of games where I'm like, Oh, can you just blow the whistle! <laughs> yeah,
1: it it feels really tough on like Saudi Arabia when they're like defending that that game against yeah. Argentina for their lives. But they it's had three two, players two, for
0: time wasting. I I'm not willing to they accept did. that no, they, no, they, they did. didn't yeah. deserve it. Time wasting I
2: mean, is now a, a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we've got. That's, <laughs>
0: that's, the, that's which is supposed stage. to be the so, point. So right? both yeah. so
1: both the the USA and Wales at different points in the game, basically in the opposite halves, when one was doing well and the other one wasn't, they were time wasting. Um. And ultimately, all of that time got added on, and you could see it in the players' faces. At the end, they were like, "Oh, this has ramifications now. Like, this is a bad idea.
3: Someone's
2: got a watch on us.
1: Oh, no way, they're timing us. Um, It's mad." So they're all. But I think people will will adjust to this. Players will adjust to this very quickly. It will take a couple of games before they realise that actually a lot of the stuff they do Mm. is now being counted against them. But you now you can't take the ball to the corner in the 90th minute. Because there's well, still nine more minutes. You can take. You can take <laughs> no, the ball to no, the corner. No, 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 it's pointless because there's nine. But you, it's too early. Okay, right. You can take the ball early. to the
0: corner in the ninety-seven. In the ninety-seventh right, minute, take the beat. ball to
2: the corner because there's
1: as only as seven you don't more roll minutes left
0: <laughs> for three more minutes. Right. I'm <laughs> oh, surprised
2: so when he counted that rant didn't say I am a stopwatch because that would have been quite a good one. <laughs> well, Today yeah. I feel like a stopwatch.
0: <laughs> Today yeah. I am a stopwatch. <laughs> <laughs> right. It would have probably, been the, most, probably been the most accurate thing. would Exactly. Have said in that yeah. Use some stuff so, that's relevant to the tournament. Speaking of speaking of numbers,
1: inflated numbers. Some of these attendances are making me giggle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're getting yeah. frequently getting forty-eight thousand people uh, into a, into a game, which into a stadium which holds forty thousand people, of which twenty-five percent of the seats are empty. That is a real achievement. Really, yeah, like 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 <laughs> it's like they're uh, all in the concourse because there's nothing to do in the half time.
0: It's like you're getting their forty-five minute switch from the fan bases. <laughs> a forty-five minute <laughs> ticket. <laughs> yes. Well, we shall see. We shall see. Right. So that brings us to the end of our first segment. After the break, we're going to be joined by Mr. Taylor Rockwell. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to ranks FC it's time for the main thrust of this podcast. I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Mr. Taylor Rockwell of the total soccer show. Taylor, how are you doing, sir?
3: Mildly intimidated, because I feel like I'm already sort of nervous about the United States at this World Cup, and I don't feel like this is going to be a gentle conversation, especially with Sam. I feel like rubbing his hands together about the prospect of beating the United States. Oh,
0: no, I, I think I can. I can feel your pain. If that makes you feel any better, Sarah. I wouldn't worry about Sam so much. Like... I'd worry
2: about me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it means right? the problem. <laughs> he's Sam's a, nice. He's, he's the nasty one. But Taylor, I mean, look to, mm-hmm. to set the scene for you. This is a this is basically a local derby for the ranks FC audience, um, with a, a great vested interest in this game. A, a, yeah. a pretty a pretty high number of our listeners are located from in the u.s so got a lot well, of more our than english yeah. definitely yeah and a higher percentage of our patrons are from the u.s and any other nation so we've got a we've got a lot of, we've got a lot going on here traders
3: the lot of them it's mm. a big one yeah. yeah
0: it's a big one yeah. On top so. of that, it's a it's a Dean Jones family. It's derby.
2: a, a Darby in my own house, Taylor. So my my wife is called Taylor. Um, she's American. And- it, it
3: used to be it used to be a fifty fifty split on that name, and then Taylor Swift really really ruined it for male <laughs> Taylors everywhere. I gotta say.
2: She's really, she's, what a game changer. Yeah. So Dean's um, wife is
1: Taylor Swift. And um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> what, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. This Why is really as a hobby. This, yeah, exactly. Um,
2: yeah. And then obviously my, my kids, half American, they're, they're two and four. So the two-year-old's really got no idea what's going on. The four-year-old is really latched onto this World Cup. And so Friday, I'm not going out with my mates. Usually we'd be at the pub. Um, the four-year-old is going to be allowed to stay up. It'll be a seven o'clock kickoff in England. And he doesn't know yet, but he's going to be told about an hour before bedtime that he's going to be allowed to stay up and he's going to watch England USA. Um, And he said to me today, he said, I said, oh, are you annoyed? You're not going to see the England-America game. And he said, yeah, but it doesn't matter, Dad, because I can't lose because I'm both and I was like oh no I've got... have I done this bad a job that he doesn't feel more English than American like, yes. come on Dylan I mean Most... we don't win...
0: this isn't about the how bad your parenting's been I think <laughs> that's <laughs> a whole different podcast
3: I feel like I have plenty of friends who have tried really hard to get their kids into football and have not succeeded so in that regard you're already like ahead of the curve I think and yeah, it's just a matter of getting them to fully support the United States that's really where you're kind of letting them down a little bit <laughs> the, yeah, problem, true. the problem yeah. is the I'm Wales, the Wales game when
0: Dylan and Reese Jones don't, don't support Wales is going to be my big problem yeah yeah absolutely um, right so let's get into this so we're going to pick three players from each side that we think are going to have a say on the outcome of this game Taylor you're going to lead us off and then in part three Sam and Dean are going to kick back at you so we'll, we'll see how that one Yay. goes but I'm excited I'm excited to hear, uh, hear how this one's yeah. going to play out from a US standpoint
3: I'm gonna go pessimistic to optimistic. Uh, So I'll start with number three. It's Matt Turner. Uh, I think you have to start with the US's defense or the uh, attempts to stop goals from occurring. And the back four, as long as everyone is 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 pretty fit, should be set. I'm guessing it'll be Serginio Dest on the right, Anthony Robinson on the left, and then Ream and Zimmerman in the middle. And all of them will be incredibly important. But Matt Turner showed his importance uh, in the opener against Wales. Uh, Though his distribution isn't maybe like his strongest skill set. I think the ability to to make the saves that you don't expect him to make. He has that shot stopping ability. Uh, folks who haven't watched the United States very much, he has that sort of Tim Howard ability to stand on his head when required. And I think against England, he's going to have to do that many, many times. And yes, I'm talking about a man who's a backup goalkeeper for Arsenal, but he is a very important player for the United States. Uh, and I think will be caught upon regularly against that English attack. Uh, moving towards the midfield, I think the second player, uh, number two for me, would be Younis Moussa, uh, who you all could have had, but he liked us more. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 would... no,
1: no, please. That's really, we, that, we don't like that one. There's two, there's two that feel like they got away and Musa is one, Moussiala
0: is the other one. Really? We, yeah, right. more, you should yeah. try You should try being Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> half, half your squad feels like yeah, the true. ones that got away from, from where yeah, I'm Yeah, we like Musa.
1: Yeah, we do. We oh, like Musa musiala also musiala the evolved version in pokemon is he of musa but um yeah it's, t- it's two that we've lost recently and it's 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 it stings and i thought musa was really really good in that first game as well really really shifty with the ball great progressor and when you watch that and you look at our midfield i actually do think there would be a place for him he's made the wrong call
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i would disagree with that Wait, who, when you say two who got away do you mean two who played for england and then went elsewhere
1: Uh, English heritage or nationality. So like, yeah, Musiala played youth team for England and then chose Mm -hmm. Germany and Musa obviously had his pick of four to 12 nations, whatever it was in the end.
3: So no, Erling Holland for you. Not not ruining uh, that loss at but all. But that was never. That was never. That was never, never fair enough enough, yeah, 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 and yeah, and and I think Ryan, uh, co-host Ryan, is keen to remind us that Gio Reyna also could have played for England, and England made him who he is. I'm not sure. Didn't <laughs> yes. play so, yeah. for you. does not even play for you. But Yunus Musa, I think, will be a hopefully very important player for the United States. I think he was. About as anonymous as he has been in that game against Wales, I think against England, uh, he is going to hopefully get more time on the ball. And I think especially in the way he can transition to attack. Both with his passing ability, but specifically with his dribbling. Uh, we call it the Musa maneuver when he can turn out of pressure and then carry the ball forward 30 or 40 yards. He tends to do it once or twice a game. And I'm going to assume against England, we're going to need someone to alleviate pressure individually, but then also in terms of team play. And I think Yunus Musa is the man who can do that. Certainly everybody else in the midfield. I'm guessing Tyler Adams starts as the number six. Weston McKinney picked up a little knock. Uh, I would guess he goes anyway. If not, maybe it's Kellen Acosta for a more defensive side of things. Maybe it's Brendan Aronson. But either way, I think Eunice Musa is the midfielder that I'm putting my trust in. And the number one most important player for going optimistic is Tim Weah. Uh, I do love me some Timothy Weah, the son of George Weah. I'm sure you all know that. Uh, (laughs) The goal scorer against Wales. I'm sure you also all know that. Uh, But he is the U.S.'s vertical threat. He is the, the speedy one who can get in behind, but also has a lot of technical ability. And a thing that I always value about him, I've talked about this many times, is how he wasn't necessarily going to be the starter for Greg Berhalter. He wasn't one of Berhalter's preferred players. And he really worked on it. He had a lot of conversations and meetings with Greg Berhalter about how he needed to improve areas of his game that were deficient, improve them such that he's become a really key player for the United States. Uh, Some questions around Gio Reyna and his fitness, we don't know if he'll be able to play at all in this game. And I think Pulisic hasn't been the most effective attacker we're never entirely sure who will start at the number nine spot for the United States it's feeling great guys feeling really <laughs> secure uh, but Tim is the player that I think uh, could be the attacking difference for the United States
0: okay all right so the, there's the three names on the team sheet that, that we're looking at Taylor and let's let's work our way through them because I, I think that what we're looking at here is is a side that can cause problems and did cause major yeah. problems Sam in, in that first game against Wales we, we'll start with Matt Turner and you know, I appreciate Taylor. You just said yes; he's the backup goalkeeper for Arsenal. But there's a reason that Arsenal made for that now. move. For now, the su-
3: well, yeah. <laughs>
0: but uh, I think there's a reason that Arsenal made that move in the summer, right? To, to bring him in because it it was, uh, you know, a, a very very good little period ahead of that for him, mm-hmm. you know, at the Revs. And there was there was this kind of feeling around him that there was an, an upward trajectory around Matt Turner, and we saw it in that first game because there were those kind of couple of moments where you're going right where's this come from where where have mm-hmm. these you know shot stops come from out of nowhere and especially when the US weren't under a huge amount of pressure yeah. regularly and you see keepers have these games where they're under the cosh constantly for 45-50 for minutes and they, they feel like they can't be beaten I think maybe the more impressive side of these things is actually when a keeper doesn't feel like they've had much to do mm-hmm. for 45 minutes and then they step in and make two or three really impressive reflex stay, saves and have an kind of you know let the the kind of easy ride if you will in inverted commas in the first half get the better of them and and that's the mark of someone who's who's alert aware and and has that ability to to make a difference in big games
1: i don't know man should have saved that penalty (laughs)
0: <laughs> got a hand
3: to it i thought for a moment just maybe it did Dude. feel sort of faded that gareth bale was going to score in a world yes. cup uh yeah. but i did for a moment i let belief get the better of me and thought just maybe he got a hand to it maybe he'd keep it out that
1: was crazy here just unbelievable mm-hmm. and the, the the save from ben davies header was was really impressive too yeah. like i know it's kind of straight at him but you still got to react in like a tenth of a second and get your fist mm-hmm. in the way and tip it over it was really really impressive we we knew we knew right you've known for ages we we definitely sealed it like in the the warm-up game against japan where uh, all of your players were tragically bad except for matt turner who actually turned out to be pretty good because yeah. he was so busy it was like okay keeper check but that's always where the us <laughs> are you'll never you're never without the keeper that's us that's the starting point
3: it's been a while. It's been a while since the U.S. Uh, didn't have a goal. I would maybe like 1990. I think there's always been a strong goalkeeper for the U.S. Mm. at every single World Cup. Checking to make sure that still checks out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and and I, and I think with Matt Turner, he I, my hope would be he goes to Arsenal under Arteta. He improves the distribution a little bit. Not to say that he can't pass the ball. He can. I don't think distribution is necessarily his strong suit. Okay. Uh, and. Like with Zach Steffen going to Man City, there was some hope as well that, oh, his his distribution will improve, he's going to get some opportunities, we'll see what happens. Not quite the case with Steffen at City and Steffen not even on this roster, whereas Matt Turner, I think, has proven at basically every instance, obviously, you're going to have little setbacks here and there. But from college to MLS now uh, to a reserve at Arsenal for now. Uh, But I think he has really stepped up his game. And certainly that's the case for the United States. He did have one season on loan with the Richmond kickers who are in the third division of uh, American soccer. And that is my hometown club. So we do claim that we made Matt Turner who he is. And Tyler Adams played against him one season. So I'm going to. Claim that my hometown also made Tyler Adams in that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think they're fair assumptions and fair claims. Uh, I, I mean, I don't see honestly. how they're
3: not. Yes. No,
0: it, would, it, would, it it all adds up to me. Um, let, let's move into Eunice Musa because sure. he has been. Well, we talked about this in, in various ways before the World Cup started, but that MMA trident in midfield, if you will, I know Dean's a massive fan of, of this midfield trio and the way that they, they operate as a three. And what I really like about them is that they seem to cover for each other's weaknesses more than anything. But going into this season, I was looking at Musa and being like, right, sure, yeah. I know you can do that. The Moussa, would you say the Musa manoeuvre, yeah, I, I know you can do that twizzle out of pressure. I know that you can produce these kind of line-breaking passes. What I want to see is a little bit more snap, a little bit more aggression. I was like, I wonder Mm -hmm. who's managing him this year. Oh, it's Gennaro Gattuso. Mm -hmm. Excellent. If anyone's (laughs) going to bring that snap into his game, Reno seems like a good man to to have at the helm. And I I think we've seen a little bit of that, you know, Mm -hmm. just that development of his kind of ability to... Yeah, kick and punch is probably the, the wrong phrase in, in this manner, but just just the, that kind of little bit of aggression that I think mm-hmm. Tyler Adams and Western McKenney definitely have in spades. You know, that little bit of uh, a niggle in him to kind of make sure that things work out, to, to pull the shirt when he mm-hmm. needs to. There's a little yep. bit of nastiness, a little bit of gamesmanship, just to, to make sure that everything is managed. And I think that was the kind of last bit of his game I was looking to. And, and now when you see you see him play, it does feel like he's one of those complete packages.
3: CONCACAF will do that for you, if not uh, Rino Gattuso, then playing in CONCACAF. And I think that was a pretty sizable difference for a lot of the players who were dual, na- who were dual nationals and came into the U.S. But playing uh, away from home in Central America in the Caribbean and woke up qualifying, I think it was a rude awakening for some of the guys. And I think they had to get a bit more practical in their approach and be OK with getting into a, a scrap, a bit of a fight, getting some kicks in there, get- receiving some kicks and uh, learning how to deal with it. That's what CONCACAF will do to you, especially when you're the the United States. And uh, you've earned a reputation um, that I I think Central American countries, not necessarily from the soccer side, from maybe the geopolitical side, uh, like to kick some Americans. And I think it's probably fair that they do. So I think Yunus Musa figuring out how to sort of navigate that, while at the same time still being a very important technical player for the United States. uh, Yeah, I think his game has definitely uh, rounded a bit. And now it's that next level. I think he's the one who is probably... Uh, most capable of getting a big move with a strong performance here, a strong performance the rest of the season. I think that's a a pretty common consensus is that if we see a strong World Cup from him, I think there will be some suitors for him, especially with Valencia often inclined to sell players. So uh, I think in that way, also a pretty important World Cup for Yunus Musa.
1: Yeah, they do love a sale, don't they? Love a sale. Um, A little quiet maybe against Wales at points but still yes. flashed the ability at points as well like there was that striding run about 30 meters or so where he mm-hmm. nipped it past a player a pocket opened up and he just burst into it and like that kind of like naught to 60 range he's got that like he accelerates yeah. out the blocks and just bursts into space like pretty much no one else in this team except Tim Weir can actually do yeah. so so in transition you've got you know Weir over the top sure which we can get to but Musa through the middle like we'll get to my list and our, our key players but this is going to be a pretty key part of this game and this matchup, I'd say. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, and I think we'll talk more about it, I'm I'm sure, but I don't think the Wales matchup is necessarily the type of matchup that suits his game. I honestly think if England play the way I expect them to, that is where he tends to shine a bit more.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, Dean, do you think he has the highest ceiling of these three in the American midfield? Because there's a lot of talent here.
2: Um, yeah, probably. I mean, it's obviously McKenney's already reached a pretty high standard to be where he is right now. Um, he probably hasn't fulfilled his potential there yet, but um, yeah, I think that Moussa... Then, then again, Tyler Adams, I've said all along mm-hmm. since before the tournament started, like this was the area of the field where they are as strong as most teams, if not stronger, than anyone at the World Cup. Like I think if you were to rank everyone's midfield, I honestly think America's midfield would probably be in the top eight um at this world cup i think that they are that good i'm just not sure they can get through 90 minutes i'm not sure that that three will get through 90 yeah. minutes and we actually play 100 minutes at this world cup didn't <laughs> yeah even worse so this is this this team won't that those three won't get through 100 minutes and like well, i support lafc and I, i've seen a and stuff but like a isn't isn't good enough to come into that setup against England in the dying stages of a game for 20 25 minutes and compete even if England are bringing on like Jordan Henderson or Calvin Phillips like England's level of subs that come in are way way higher that's where i think america's problem is going to be like i think us have got to say like those three like i think it's a really good three and i think genuinely think the first half will be a really good battle i'm just wondering in the second half if the us can keep keep in the game for long enough and not let England get away. Jack, last thing I expected to hear was Dean going after Costa. He goes there every
1: day. Loves it. Absolutely <laughs> loves it. That, that as fishy is the Costa worst coffee. joke. I love that's a Costa coffee. That's the worst joke
0: that's been on this podcast today. And that's saying something after my start to it. <laughs> um, but let's move on to Tim Where on the back of that because, well, let's move on as fast as we possibly can. Thank you. Um, but I, I think this is a good pick, Taylor, because what we've seen is, is that ability to stretch, that perhaps the rest of this team don't quite have, that, that verticality to get in behind teams. And I think you're right in that I think that if England are weak anywhere, it's can you stretch them in behind? Can you get in behind these fullbacks when they go forward? We've seen how good they are in an attacking sense, but is there, are there those gaps to kind of make the use of things in that exact regard? So, so, so where and the way that he does get in behind, the way that he scored that goal? against wales feels like the kind of player who can make those moments count and if us are to win this game to, to get a point out of this game those moments are going to be massive
3: yeah I, I think he's also a player who in my mind is the most inclined to play on instinct in those moments i think that goal is entirely seeing the goalkeeper knowing where you are in relation to the defense knowing where the ball is rolling knowing what's opening up and then being able to execute all in a fraction of a second i think there is an opportunity there to overthink it and maybe just try something too elaborate. And he goes for the practical finish, even with the outside of the foot, gets the lift he needs. And I think there are other players in the US attack, cough, cough, Christian Pulisic, who uh, may be a little bit more ponderous on the ball, a little bit slower to make some decisions to pull the trigger. And I think that is maybe the difference maker in this game is, is pulling the trigger, making those decisions as quickly as you can against a team that will be much stronger than Wales. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect think- intended, but also some disrespect to Wales.
2: What do you think of Pulisic's mentality coming into this game because he is your biggest player right he is the he is the guy that has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders in a Mm -hmm. a global sense and if you're a casual football fan you're expecting Pulisic to step forward but he's coming up against a team that know him know him well Mm -hmm. like he's he's been in England long enough They, they know what he's about um do you trust him to do you trust Pulisic obviously the fact you've picked Weir suggests that you don't I mean you yep You are correct. (laughs) That's that's a big stage to be at at this stage of Six's career, isn't it? Like, that's quite strange. It
3: it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, like Wayne Rooney getting frustrated with Manchester United and how you'd see him start dropping deeper and deeper to try to pick the ball Mm. up. That's what you do not want to see if if you are a U.S. fan against England. You don't want to see Christian Pulisic coming into the midfield, dropping deep to try to get it off of the fullback or the center backs. And I think he does do that. I think he gets a little bit impatient. I think he wants to be on the ball. Where he is at his best is when he is on the ball, but driving at an opponent, taking people on in those 1v1s, and then making the play from there. If he has to come deep, get the ball, turn, and then try to attack that space, you're just starting him so much deeper that – It's not going to be nearly as effective, but that is a thing he tends to do in games like this, where he feels like he has to be the one to perform, the one to kind of meet those expectations. And I think also, if you get him mad, sometimes that works and he becomes that next level player. Sometimes he gets a little bit too focused on that individual battle. And that's something that Mepham, I think, pulled off pretty uh, well for Wales. And maybe that's the thing that England could uh, do to him in this one. Just a few little kicks, a few little afters, and uh, maybe that takes him out of the game a bit. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's all fair. I mean, Sam, just coming back to uh, to Timothy, wait for a second. The goal that Iran scored, the first one, you know, I, yes, I appreciate England are, you know, 4-0 up at the time. So so maybe things are a little bit different, but it does kind of come from stretching on that side, from getting in behind between the, the fullback and, and the centre-back and, and making it count. And that feels like the kind of spaces he can play in. It does, yeah. It feels like the kind of little spot that he can slip into and then just
1: very quickly make that decision. The beauty of that toamy finish is that it all happened in the blink of an eye. It happened so quickly that Pickford had barely realised the ball had gone past him. Um, and it was just it was just one of those things. And if is the one that can execute in that spot? Then then fair enough. That's that's probably the the value that he holds. Um, Iran had actually managed to work the space quite well and have the ball for a while there, but, but possibly the first time in that entire game they'd had the ball for like you know 20 30 seconds done a rotation on the right hand side fed a ball through pushed a player to the outside i can imagine that the usa will have far more of the ball than iran did because that's not difficult so the the potential for those moves to occur is is higher for sure
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's leave this segment there and we'll come on to the opposing side of it where we're going to battle away uh, what's going to happen between the England and the England between England and the US. We'll be back. After we already the break. fought
3: that war twice. You can't try to claim it again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part three of Ranks FC. Let's flip this to the other side. Sam, we've heard Taylor's three players for the US who are going to cause problems. Uh, time for you to repost. Yeah, okay. So three to one, uh,
1: looking at the most important players in this fixture. And I'll start with Harry Maguire. I feel like that's where a lot of the conversations around England start nowadays, isn't it, guys? It's almost always about Harry Maguire. Coming into the tournament, it was... Can he, can he still play football? He doesn't really do it anymore. He doesn't particularly do it very well. Um, please don't let us down, Harry. Please don't let us down. And he did not let us down in that first game. And we've all been at incredible pains to point out how good he was because he needs the confidence. It's a shame that we didn't get the clean sheet to really, really hammer that home. And it's a shame that he ended up coming off ill. But he's a really, really important player for Gareth Southgate. He's also a very, very important player in the context of this fixture for two key reasons. The first is... I do expect the USA to apply some pressure to us like they did in the first half against Wales, pressing and counter-pressing because when they stopped doing that, they got run over. So they best start doing that again. So our centre-backs are going to be under some pressure and Maguire's ability to dribble out of pressure and play out of pressure is going to be under scrutiny as is everybody else's, John Stone's, everybody else. But Maguire's the one that everyone's going to focus on. The other point is, I think this USA team may be a little vulnerable to us on set pieces because it looks quite a small team now obviously, it depends on a couple of the selections, but England should tower over the USA and chief among those people towering over those other people is Harry Maguire, the massive, massive man mounted with a big slab head, Harry Maguire. He should be absolutely pivotal to us in set piece situations. So he's who I've got a number three for
0: two reasons. They're attacking and defensive. I mean, Dean, you you loved this as a narrative, and you were talking about the fact that there were there were various things around Harry Maguire that people were pointing out. Uh, he was also your pick for the the opening goal in this fixture, which is which is a pretty brave pick. But considering he hit the bar before anyone had scored uh, uh, on Monday, it, it doesn't look so brave now.
2: Yeah, like it. it... No, it was quite genuine. I've been I've been honest about the fact like I know he's had a really tough time and I think it's a lot of it's been really harsh on him. But like I said, um, and it did annoy me a lot. Like I, I like the US, you know, that like they're my second team at this World Cup. Um, obviously, my wife makes sure of that. But um, I, I said like when the draw was made and all the US accounts were like, just target Harry Maguire, it really rattled me. Because I was... Yeah, Taylor. I, I'll repeat again because Taylor wouldn't have heard it, but I was like, Harry Maguire is better than any defender you have ever produced. A bit rude like, about Tim Ream, said that at the time, say again. Like, <laughs> you don't know what you're saying here. Like, you, this, this guy has reached ridiculous levels. He's having a really hard time. But if he comes back through it, look, we've got one of the best centre-backs we could hope to have available. And Harry Maguire, like absolute full respect to him for the way that he's got his head set for this tournament. I also think he's probably really enjoying playing back on the left side of, of the centre-backs. I think that's where he wants to be. Um, he's not there for Man United anymore. He'll probably never play there again for Man United at this rate. Um, but he'll, probably, he'll be enjoying the fact that he's there. And what you get from him is an angle of pass and a, and a through ball that a lot of people aren't capable of. There was one goal against Iran, and I can't remember which one it was because we scored so many. It's the belgium It's the, <laughs> but- oh, it's the you bell. you oh, you poor
3: <laughs> lamb. He scored so many. So difficult. But there was
2: one <laughs> pass where he, he he brought it forward and he played this perfect pass really sharp and really quickly into someone's feet and we sprung two free passes off at the back of it and one of the, someone scored. I can't remember was count, but... <laughs> Um, it it was like in that moment I was like that is Harry Maguire that is what Harry Maguire used to do we haven't seen him do it for a long time and I'm confident now like I actually do think the US will score in this game I do think that we will concede a goal in this game I think we are susceptible conceding in most games to be honest Um, but generally I'm very confident in Harry Maguire and and, um, I
0: think we're in a good place here What's the narrative around Harry Maguire, Taylor? Because it, I I know that Dean has picked up yeah. these things and I think they were the narratives maybe a couple of months ago when, when this draw was made. But he is a person who's, who's kind of always performed during, on this international stage.
3: I think I think y'all are probably right that that it's very easy, and I think the probably lazy narrative has been he doesn't play for Manchester United, he's not that good, we can get at him, uh, and 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 it's telling that I have to go back to the only one I would go with is this is uh, Eddie Pope, racism, and I won't allow that. Uh, Eddie Pope is is probably the, the best center back the United States has ever had, and. Harry Maguire is probably better than Eddie Pope, much as it pains me to say. So you're absolutely right that I think they would they would start him for sure. And they would love to have Harry Maguire in Mm -hmm. in the U.S. national team. Uh, And I think the idea that he is some sort of vulnerability is probably unfair. The only thing I would say is just the lack of pace, because I think I I disagree with Sam a little bit. I think there's a, a pretty good chance England are very dominant in this game, very ball dominant. I think the United States will probably sit deep and try to counter, and that is maybe where there could be an opportunity for the United States. But overall, I think he is more than capable, Uh, and I certainly think the set-piece shout is a pretty good one, and I would extend it even to I can see a scenario in which, because of some of those size uh, mismatches, Maybe a penalty uh, being conceded by some of the grappling we saw that today. No, Taylor, we don't. And... We
1: don't get those. Um, even we, we the most those. egregious fouls occur on us, and we don't get the decisions. Everybody else gets them.
3: Uh, oh yeah. Ah, uh, the oh, English, yeah. uh, such injustice. <laughs> very hard done <laughs> by. Such, yeah, we're very yeah. hard done by. Well, look, oh, ta- yeah.
1: Taylor, the, the battle for possession there. Obviously, uh, first and yeah. foremost, that usually takes place in midfield. Who can get the better mm-hmm. of who in midfield? So, into number two is is going to be Jude Bellingham, who's coming off the performance of his life, more or less, uh, at least on the international stage. But given how important these games are, and that given they're such landmarks in players' careers, and given he scored his first ever goal for England in it, this is probably, that was probably the greatest day of his life in, in football terms. And he's already achieved quite a lot, even though he's still only 19, although we do say he's the oldest 19-year-old in the world. Um, Centre mid, hugely important in any game, particularly with two strong sides. Bellingham, energetic, composed, sizeable, Great passing range, ability to shrug players off. This is going to be absolutely massive. I don't know if we're going to play with the three or the two. I don't know if we're going to be, you know, one man down there, 2v3, or if Mount will continue to play in there. I don't know what Gareth Southgate going to do, but I do know that Jude Bellingham will probably be the main reason as to why we win this midfield battle, or perhaps if you guys somehow get the better of him, we lose it.
3: Yeah, uh, he was one that I was really hoping we would see not start that game. Uh, I was hoping it would be Calvin Phillips, you all would be maybe too cautious, not mm. get the result you did, and then there's like kind of a desperation play. Uh, he was the player that made me the most nervous of any player on the England team, genuinely speaking. Mm. Uh, I think he, he does so many things for your midfield, and he is uh, an inform, very confident, uh, and self-believing Jude Bellingham is probably not the best thing for the United States, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's, he's the box-to-box player that we've never actually really had. Um, We we, we should have had it. We should have had it in Steven Gerrard. We could have had it maybe in Frank Lampard. But because of the way that they played at that time and they were forcing them in, those two players weren't able to be the players that they were on the club scene. And it it kind of held them back to some extent in in the international scene. Um, And that's not going to happen with Jude Bellingham. And he's got everything. And I um, I was speaking to someone recently who's... He was very close in the England camp. And like Bellingham has been the best player of his age group throughout every single stage of his development. Everywhere, every stage. They're like, there was never any doubt that Jude Bellingham was going to be a professional footballer. Like only injury could have stopped him. Like he has been the standout in every team he's played in and even now he's 19 he's captain of Borussia Dortmund and he is like 100% playing in England's next world cup match there is no way you leave him out for this fixture he is i don't know it's it's hard to describe how good this guy is like he could genuinely become the best midfielder in the world to be honest um, he's he's got everything and it's it's all going to be now for him about decisions in his career and where his next move is it's going to be all about mindset managing those difficult moments that you you get like if you think of like Deli Alley seemed like the sky was the limit for him and whatever's happened off the pitch is he's, he's gone he's gone away and like he's not even in the England squad anymore I'm confident that won't happen with Jude Bellingham but in a fixture like this um especially given what I've said about the US having such a strong um three-man unit in there yeah yeah, gives me so much confidence to know that you've got Bellingham and Declan Rice and one other like that that is honestly such a that gives me such belief that we will be okay in this game like yeah I think it'll be tight particularly first half and, I, and I'm not you know there'll be some England fans I'm sure that think this is going to be a walk in the park I, I don't think it will be that but after watching the first game, particularly, I, I am much more confident now that we'll be okay in this fixture, and a lot of it is because of that midfield dynamic that we've now got. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the, one of the great strengths of that USA midfield
1: three, if it's all fit and firing, there's a lot. It brings a lot of energy. You know, Tyler Adams by himself brings a lot of energy, but Musa and McKenney are both. They got. They really. They really do. The, they really do the yards. They've got great mobility. They've got great aggression at times. That can overwhelm teams. Like. There's there's certain teams in this tournament who may feel like they are, you know, better than the USA on paper, but the USA would overwhelm them in midfield. We've already seen certain teams just completely fall by the wayside to just physicality and energy. Never a concern for us. Thanks to Jude Bellingham and thanks to Declan Rice, of course. But Bellingham's the star boy and he's the talk of the town, right? Taylor, are you all right listening to
2: all this?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not my favorite thing. I'm not going to lie. No, I mean, I, I think, I think. If we're having the conversation about like who is technically the better team, th- there's no question. Like it's England, yeah. and they're and England. But we were were the technically for a the reason. better team the last time we played. You and it ended one-one. So, yeah. well, this, this is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is where there is. I think grounds for optimism. I also think this is a U.S. team that, again, I don't think they want the ball, and I think that they tend to rise to the occasion when. The situation requires it, uh, and this would be one of those moments where I do think playing against England, England in a World Cup, especially for players that were eligible to play for England, maybe there's that extra bonus as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Kinda, and just yeah. like the Premier League nature of of some of these of some of these matchups as well. Like I don't, I just, I always wonder. Like Tyler Adams is now a Premier League player. Christian Pulisic mm-hmm. is, a, is a Premier League player. Tim Ream, Matt Turner, oh, a, a lot of these guys are newly now Premier League players. Yeah. um I wonder. I always wonder how much uh, how much that does to just just uh, just add some energy to that yeah. and and just add some fuel to the fire and how much they really want to turn their colleagues over. Like stick doesn't want to lose yeah. to Mason Mount because he does has anyone that, want to? Does anyone
3: has, ever want to lose to Mason Mount? I don't he, think so. That's thing has he has, he has, he,
1: has with. he has to battle Mason Mount for his position in the Chelsea team, and he goes away for a nice nice holiday in Qatar. Oh, he's he's here again. On the same pitch. (laughs) Unbelievable. uh, Right. Let's move on to number one. Let's move on to number one. And uh, it's where I've put Harry Kane, but it has to have an asterisk because he's he's having a scan on his ankle. So let's call this England's striker. Now, of course, it's easy to say, you know, goals win games, strikers are obviously massively important to how things go. You have to execute in the same way that, you know, anyone does. But um, with Kane in particular, just the way that he played against Iran and particularly like the that take, he, he the, the ball he took it off Pickford, the goal kick, take, turn, pass for the, I believe it was the Rashford goal. Nice. Um, just unbelievable. And like, I don't, I, as, as much as obviously this podcast loves Tim Ream, like he and Walker Zimmerman cannot, cannot deal with that. So if Kane's there, fantastic. If it's not going to be Kane, we need to be looking at that USA against Wales game. We need to be looking at how Kiefer Moore hurt you. And he really hurt you. Yeah. Keith, the chief, was at it again, and he was brilliant.
0: I and can't we- believe you didn't go, Chief Keith. There, like it really, really hurts me that your le- your leverage there has has not gone to the rapper.
3: His name is Beefy <laughs> keefe and I will accept no <laughs> substance. Thank you very much.
0: Look, the way the way he he
1: he, he put it up, yeah on that second half, the way that they the dynamic of the That's game a gentle
3: changed. way to put it. Thanks, Sam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was, it was alarming the way Jesus. that game, the way the game switched though, wasn't it? Just a bit of, a bit of yep. physicality, a bit of a focal yep. point. The ball sticks a little bit. Dan James just didn't do anything, you know? And mm-hmm. as soon as you get someone that can get his elbows out, and we've got players that can do. if it's not Kane, you know, Callum Wilson's a, a, a real handful, you know, this would have been perfect for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but sadly he's not fit and available. Tammy Abraham could have done it as well what I'm really zeroing in on here is not in terms of just like Kane's really good. It's all about Kane. It's that a a striker with a physical presence with a bit about them really, really hurt you, like without Mm -hmm. that much of a challenge. And those centre-backs, as much as I thought Tim Ring was good in the first half, he and Zimmerman were like like perplexed in the second, very much perplexed. And I'd be Mm -hmm. really worried about that from a US perspective because it doesn't matter who we field, they are going to do more than Kiefer Moore did.
3: Everything you said is correct. It's not Kiefer Moore who draws the penalty. It's Gareth Bale. And that to me is why Harry Kane is such a threat for the United States. Uh, was it the the Sterling goal that he has the assist for, Kane? He's got yeah, the Rashford he got, goal. He got two assists. He got two, though. Yeah. The first one, whichever the first one was, where he basically Oh yeah, he crossed it and yeah, he did, yeah. 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 He And, and he Sterling. does that. Watch it again. Like he doesn't he picks his head up, sees the play developing, and does not pick his head up again until the oh. ball is gone. And in yeah. there is control a turn of direction he throws in a move then he gets another touch then he plays that ball in and that's all just awareness situational awareness but also just technical ability and skill and against the US team that apparently likes to concede penalties when they don't need to I would be very <laughs> nervous about uh, them trying to kind of track uh, the movement of Harry Kane while also paying attention to all the other attackers in there so I think absolutely Harry Kane is a player that I am scared of for more than just aerial prowess or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I still think Kane is underrated and underappreciated in this country. I really do. Like he's for whatever reason it is, maybe it's maybe it's because he plays for Tottenham, maybe it's because is not a heartthrob maybe it's because he doesn't come out with any great lines ever like i don't know there's 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 not this like whole thing around harry kane that there would be with most other players that have achieved what he's achieved and are as good as he is but i think it suits him perfectly i don't think he Mm. wants any of it either and that is why i love him as england's captain um i really hope he's fit i think the signs are that he should be okay. He was included in running today. They did a recovery um, session and Kane still did the run. So he, he was involved in that. Um, so there is hope that he'll be okay. It would it would make a big difference. Like I, mm. I, I really rate Callum Wilson. I, I do. And watching him firsthand this season when Fulham played against Newcastle, he's extremely physical. He's a much better player actually than I'd ever given him credit for until I'd seen him in, in person. Like
0: he's got a lot about him. But he's well, I was not going Harry to bring Kane. that up. I was going to bring that up because I, I watched him pocket Harry Kane, but I didn't watch him pocket Callum Wilson. Let's put it that <laughs> yeah, way. This he season. couldn't.
2: Yeah. I mean I mean Wilson gave our defence an absolutely horrible time. So he, he'll, you know, I'm I'm confident he can do something, but it's not what Harry Kane does. And like you say, Kane in this team actually is is not really the goal scorer at the moment. He you know, the six goals and Kane gets none of them. But he was involved in a lot of them. And like you say, in you know, Pulisic drops off and stuff. Well, Kane's kind of doing other work mm. beyond the 9-2, but that's okay because we've got Sterling who loves it when people do that for him. We've got Saka who loves those spaces open up. We've got Foden who can come in and, and make the most of that. Mount will drive out of midfield and make the most of that. Um, Callum Wilson will eat up chances if he's on there. Like, Grealish will come on. We've got so many players that can score goals. So Harry Kane doesn't even need to score goals in this team, and he still be. The biggest threat on the pitch that that is how much he offers and so from the US point of view even though Callum Wilson is a really good player and you know would cause big problems I'll be praying tonight that he doesn't get through that scan that, he's, that he misses this game it sounds like he's going to be fine are they just giving out scans can I get one I've got a dodgy ankle yeah you've got dodgy lot of things
0: but uh, that's uh, again something for another podcast yeah i
2: mean it's just not good new like even if he feels okay if that scan shows anything they won't be able to play him you know that's that's the fear like if that shows up because tottenham won't let him do that it's not Mm. that's what you have to consider these days if anything shows up the 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 club doctors at tottenham have to know about that and they'll be like we can't play like that, that is just not allowed so unfortunately like that's that's what's scaring me the most just in case anything shows up on this um but fingers crossed because yeah Kane Kane with England and um I'm pretty confident I'm almost too confident this time This is my hope.
3: That would be one of my hopes.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say, before we wrap this up, Taylor, I'd just love to get a prediction in terms of not necessarily a scoreline, but just how this plays out. No, give us a scoreline at the end of it as well. (laughs) Calvin (laughs) on,
3: Taylor. Okay, so I think there's a couple of things. I think from a US perspective, uh, what they did in the first half against Wales was one of the best halves I've seen them play. I think how aggressive they were, how intense they were, both in terms of winning the ball back, but also keeping the ball moving. It was a lot of two and three touch passing. Uh, it, It was really just unelected performance in the United States and I wish they could have gotten more out of it. Uh, But then that second half, they, I think, recognize they don't have the fitness to play that way and they sit deeper. And I get that's where, Sam, you're probably coming from with the idea that like, that didn't really work for them. They could be bossed in that way. So maybe they're going to come out aggressively. And I think if they do go aggressive, like we saw against Wales, that has to be something they commit to for the entirety of the game. If they don't, uh, if they can't do that, then I think the United States pretty consistently has shown that they are a better team when they sit deep and counter that tends to suit their skill sets a bit more. I think it takes a lot of the pressure off having to create because they're not a team that breaks teams down. They don't handle mid blocks well, or even deep blocks certainly. And so if you can get into a situation where you've got uh, pretty speedy attackers out wide with the fullbacks advancing and England get a little bit overcommitted, a little bit overly confident, that's where I think there can be some opportunities for the United States. Uh, I don't think they do a very good job of switching up approach. I don't think Greg Berhalter makes a lot of uh, particularly drastic in in-game adjustments. I think sometimes he's labeled as a person who gives too much instruction, if anything, and, and that sometimes is to the detriment of the team. So I think it has to be a unified approach from the jump. My guess is that they will end up being more cautious in that approach, especially if Weston McKinney can't go. That's where maybe it's Luca De La Torre, maybe it's Brendan Aronson, but more likely to me is it's Kellen Acosta and it's a 4-2-3-1 and they just try to shield and then hit on the break. I think either one is going to be difficult for the United States to find a way to not concede and maybe just get that one goal. So I do think there will be goals in this and then it's how the United States responds to going a goal down if that's how it plays out or to to an equalizer if they jump out to a lead. I would really like to see the US be aggressive from the jump. I think taking it to England is not a thing that Gareth Southgate will expect. Uh, I think sitting deep is something where they're more comfortable. England have broken teams down. Uh, Look what Iran tried to do (laughs) and Mm. emphasizing the tried part of things. Um, I don't think that you can just sit deep. I think England, it's a different England team than couldn't get through Iceland. It's a team that will find a way through, have the ability to do so. And the individuals and the individuals on the bench, as has been pointed out. So I think for the United States, it's sticking to one approach and hopefully having the players you need to make that approach happen. Uh, whoever starts at number nine will also be a pretty good indicator of what they're trying to do. If it's Jesus Ferreira dropping deep, that means that you're going to have Pulisic and maybe it's Reyna, maybe it's Waya playing more centrally. Uh, if it's Josh Sargent, then he's more of the, uh, the target option, the hold up guy. So I think that will also give you an indicator of what they're going to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, absolutely. You, we're nice. actually we're, we're a very long way away. Just you saying that reminded me we we're a long way from Wayne Rooney in central midfield and Harry Kane on corners. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. do you remember those days, Dean? Yeah,
2: yeah. Good times. Good
1: times were
0: yeah, had by well. all. I am. So. Um, um, Dean, you evolve so out of these yeah. things. You have got to go
2: through <laughs> things like that to enjoy the good times when they come back. And we're in a good time, so I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm. I'm. I think we're going to win three-one. think
0: okay. We're going to win three-one. All right that's um yeah me too i mean it's relatively i agree relatively safe from 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 what you think that's quite a safe
2: bit of scoreline as it it stands taylor
3: i think all right i'll go optimistic i will say i think for the united states i don't think a draw gets it done Because I think then you've got the two points and who knows what Wales will do. I think Wales can present some threats of their own to England. Uh, So I wouldn't, if you're Greg Berhalter, I don't think you can trust on them getting trounced by England. And then you kind of scrape through with a win against Iran. I think you have to go for it here. I think if the United States can, can spring a surprise early and really catch England out, especially if it's an overly confident England... That's where I could see it going the opposite way. You get a goal, maybe England get one back, but along the way they get stretched and the U.S. gets one. So I'm going to say two to one the United States in your face, England. <laughs> <laughs> I like like that's, that's what like we want it. you to say. because cool, <laughs> so the kind of
0: optimistic predictions that I'm all yeah. here for. And with that, we're going to call this a day. But all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much to Mr. Taylor Rockwell of the Total Soccer Show for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure, Taylor.
3: Uh, thank you very much and thank you all oh no wait Sam did this the first time we met thank you to you two for not immediately asking me why I have a surname for a first name that's another one that English uh, English folk love to do so uh, yeah, and, and, and maybe that less that so one. Irish
0: well yeah <laughs> I mean you can say the same for Dean so I've seen both of those go down thank you very much to rank Mr. Sam Tye cheers mate yeah <laughs> <laughs> still reeling from that comment yeah well there we have <laughs> it thank you very much to our transfer group Mr Dean Jones come on England uh, I've been Jack Collins David Vaz. thank you so much for listening to this if you want more from us we are releasing daily podcasts over on the Ranks FC Patreon feed the link is in the description as ever of this podcast thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week take it easy gang peace